are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the UK. I'm Mike Sullivan, I help connect businesses with tech talent, and today I'm your host. Today I'm joined by an excellent panel of engineering leaders to discuss strategies around software testing in the software development lifecycle. It's a pleasure to be with such an extraordinary panel. Um, I'm sure there'll be a number of questions that we'll speak about today and hopefully there's a lot of content out there for you guys to listen to. It is now 10 past two here in Birchwood in Warrington, my hometown. Um, and we've got a, a, an interesting panel from, from people around Europe at the moment with Gabrielle, Greg and John Charles. So now we've sort of um, established who, who we're with today if we want to go around the room and introduce ourselves starting with you Gabriel. Hi everyone it's a pleasure to be here thanks thanks Michael for for organizing this I'm Gabriel I'm playing the role of an engineering manager within full view we are a, a small Danish Romanian company um, we try to basically to redesign the software, uh, software um, customer support and uh, we try to cut support time in half by by giving instant context to to support agents. Um, other than that, about myself, I'm I'm married to a beautiful uh, pharmacy researcher. We have two kids, and I try to balance uh, my my day to day chores at the office with uh, the, the other job of being a dad and a husband. So it is a challenge, but it's also the pleasure of being alive. <laughs> Thank you. Brilliant, Gabriel. I think there's a few on this podcast that are doing the same, including myself, mate. <laughs> and over to you, Greg. Hey, everyone. Uh, thanks for having me on today. Uh, appreciate the invite, Michael. Uh, yeah, so I'm Greg. I work for GoDaddy, um, a big domain uh, registration um, and hosting company. Um, hopefully, everyone's heard of it. We've got we're a worldwide company. Uh, we've got teams working uh, worldwide. I manage many different teams of uh, quality engineers. Uh, I think the last count was in the twenties uh, in in the um, Europe and Americas. So we're quite busy, and uh, we're expanding more and more. And it's quite hard to sort of get stuff across the board there but that's my day-to-day -day job uh, a lot of meetings a lot of talking about quality uh, as well that is my life that is basically my passion other than that not saying that this isn't my passion but I'm married I've got a lovely wife uh, who's a hairdresser and a, and a daughter um, long-suffering Leeds fan um, I'll no doubt get more stick people at work give me it all the time and um, uh, during the pandemic we bought a VW camper uh, and that's basically what we do in our spare time. We go around the UK at the minute. We're just about to go to Scotland in about two to three weeks. So something to look forward to. Fantastic. And over to you, JC. Hi, everyone. So, yeah, my name is uh, Jean Charles. Uh, has a proper French long name. You will hear probably the other guests today call me JC. Uh, and which is uh, how my friend calls me as well, to be fair. So I'm the CTO of, uh, of the startup named Unitag, a startup specialized in the creation of QR codes uh, and everything that is supporting QR codes nowadays, 
which is a dynamic URL. So you have only one QR code. And from this one, if you notice any issues with your destination URL, you can modify it. Uh, thanks to our powerful resolver and then campaign management, uh, packaging, printing, statistic, all of it. So we are very fast growing startup, uh, very similar to Gabriel. We are barely 10 people at the moment. And uh, hopefully we will expand to 20 or 30 by the end of the year. Um, on the side, uh, I'm 32 years old and I'm mentioning it because I like to do things a bit different than people and I'm just starting to learn to drive. <laughs> on my personal life uh, and what Greg mentioned like going in Scotland is something I would really like to do but driving there instead of taking I don't know how many trains we have to take in UK to reach Scotland nowadays but uh, <laughs> so that's one of my personal goals um, and I'm uh, yeah I really like playing poker on the side or doing rock climbing whenever the weather allow it or sometimes on plastic as well um, yeah, that's mainly the overall. Uh, oh, quickly about my past experience. I've been uh, working in uh, always on startups with different scales. Some of them were worldwide, uh, like Blipa for those we know before it unfortunately crashed but was rebirth. And most recently, I was working for Adaga, uh, business intelligence NLP company. And yeah, that's pretty much uh, sum it up. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you, yeah, Michael, for organizing it. You're very much welcome. So is everyone else. I'm glad everyone's settled in. Um, we we should have one more um, guest on the podcast, Andrew McMillan, Head of Engineering at Red Ant. Unfortunately, he is ill at the moment, um, so he won't be able to join today, but I will still be asking his question. And hopefully, Andrew, if you are listening, you receive some insightful answers from these three guys. Um, and I will start with Andrew's question now, if that's OK. So Andrew has asked, what does your CEO think of your testing strategy? The purpose of the question is to explore how we bring the company along for the ride. And if you would like to start, Gabriel. Yes, of course. Yep. Um, at first, I tried to I tried to understand a bit the context of this question. I tried to um, actually ask myself what what the CEO of the company I work I work for thinks about our testing strategy and about our software development lifecycle as a whole. Um, I would say that this question can be uh, can can underline uh, pro a, a problem in in the perception regarding testing. So I would rephrase it to how do you justify to your CEO the efforts needed for testing? I don't know if if this was the point that Andrew tried to, to, to underline, but that's what I thought about. How do I justify the efforts needed to test when the functionality is already there? And I think usually um, words like, I don't know, feature growth, performance, even probably UX are, are words that that uh, might be appealing for a CEO. But when it comes to when it comes to testing, once you 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 see something client facing, once you see a feature that that's apparently functional, why bother testing and why bother uh, looking for for the needle <laughs> for the crack in the system? Um, yeah, that might happen when when. Uh, when you or when a company has a fragmented 
fragmented view on, on, on steps in the software development lifecycle. But when you try to see it as a whole, in the end, when is our, when is our product shippable? We are not asking when is our product developed. We are asking where is, where is it ready to be used? And I think testing is not just a side activity. Testing is, is a part of the entire development lifecycle. So if we can share this with, with the management, with, with the guys that are not uh, necessarily involved hands-on, uh, then, then we avoid the risk of, of needing to, to justify efforts for, for such uh, activities. And also, just a personal note, uh, being a, a small startup, um, by the way, we just signed a, a new teammate on, for the QA role. But up until now, everyone in the team tested, did QA basically. So I think that says a lot about how, how my CEO perceives the, the testing strategy and the testing activities within the company. I don't know if I, if I answered, but I, I'm sure the other guys will, will, fill, will fill in the gaps. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Th thanks, Gabriel. And over yeah. to you, Greg. Yeah, uh, I sort of second a lot of what Gabriel said there. It makes a lot of sense. Um, the way I sort of interpreted uh, Andrew's question was, you know, how to get buy-in from this, this CEO. Now, I've worked in startups to larger companies, and I think one of the main things for the CEO to buy into the testing strategy is not typically to sell it, but the understanding that it's your platform's reputation. If you lose mm -hmm. functionality, if you break the platform for the customer, that's not good for the end customer. And you know, you could sit every day on Twitter. Let's say uh, when Lloyd's go, uh, a bank a banking app goes down, everyone's outraged. If uh, Virgin Media or or something goes down, it's all about um, your company's reputation, and that's bankable. And your CEO should be able to. Uh, see the value in testing to make sure that that doesn't happen, give you that confidence there. So they should be able to see that testing is a vital part of the software lifecycle and it's everyone's responsibility. Just like Gabrielle said, it's not just the testers, it's right from the uh, planning stages. It, we've got to think quality all the way through. Uh, so from my point of view, the CEO should buy in because there's nothing worse than going online, seeing seeing your your product getting a, um, a beating from the customers. At the end of the day, that's what we're there for. We're there to make things good for our customers and improve that customer journey. So testing is vital to that. It's it's actually pivotal. pivotal. It should never be seen as a second-class citizen to software development or anything else. It should be seen just as, if not more important, to the whole development life cycle, whether that's regression testing, when you put a... a a new bit of functionality out it doesn't break your critical path so your customer journey is complete we don't want to take that away every bit of it's as important as the rest and um, so that's where I'd, I'd, I'd expect this the ceo or um any sort of c-level um person technical or non-technical to be able to see the value in that testing yeah uh some very very good uh Good answer there. Uh, on my side, I, I try to get the question in two ways, like the literal way first, as the question was asked. And uh, as uh, as Gabriel mentioned at the beginning, I don't think a CEO should really be involved in this for the simple purpose that testing is just another technical project. 
in its own. So it belongs to the technical team and uh, whoever is uh, concerned by the technical team. Uh, now, my second way of saying this question is indeed, uh, as you mentioned, Greg, a bit more like towards the company generic culture and thinking. And uh, that, that, that reminds me of some question we probably all hear at some stage in our career of the CEO or generic, more generally speaking, sorry, management being like, why is the future delayed? And sometimes the future is delayed because the testing are not done yet or because the QA team, when you have a QA team, hasn't approved the feature or brought it back for bugs. And that could be sometimes a point where management is like, I don't think the testing strategy is good or why is it so slow or what can we do to improve it? Mm -hmm. And there is, of course, different way of answering this depending on the level of the management person. But if we go right to the top, to the CEO, um, I can tell, for example, in my current company, what's, what we like is data, statistic. Show me how many bugs are caught by your testing compared to how many bugs are reported by clients. If you can show that the number of bugs reported by clients is going lower as the testing environment expands and the testing gates are more important, while we are catching, I don't know, like, yeah, so it, it's correlated, of course, but 96% of bugs are caught during our process of development. I think that's enough to onboard your CEO, right? Uh, show improvement and the improvement you can show him is through data, in my point of view. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Good stuff, great answers, everyone. And uh, hope you're listening, Andrew. You, you dropped everyone in it <laughs> with that question there, but I think everyone navigated it well. <laughs> um, so I understand you've got the next question, Gabriel. Yep. Yeah. My question is probably a more practical one, a bit more pragmatic. Um, I'm I'm really interesting interested. What do you guys rely on when when you consider your product as being fully tested? Uh, let 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 me rephrase this. What gives you peace of mind after a Friday night release? I don't know. I don't know, Greg. If you still do oh, these kind Friday. of things, Friday, Friday night releases—that's a big no-no. <laughs> yeah, but, I, but I, feel, I feel JC might 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 relate with this to this. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I don't like Friday releases. Uh, uh, throughout my career, there've been many a weekend uh, from a Friday release. But I'll get onto the the question. I was quite looking forward to this one. So this is one I like to argue about quite often. Can anything be really fully tested? Can you yeah. have a hundred percent? there what we're trying to do really is mitigate risk we're trying to identify the risk of, of releasing right so there's so many variables and you can have your test environment as prod like as anything you want but there's still going to be that that risk you know if you're using aws it's going to be on a different cluster it's going to be on some slightly there so you can never 100 percent fully test and you've got to recognize that so what we're trying to do is mitigate risk there so we need realistically to identify if there's going to be any sort of degradation for existing uh, functionality as well. So we've got to span the whole thing. I would expect fully full regression testing um, along there. And also you've got to look at your non-functional testing as well. Um, is there any sort of slowdown in API, API calls, any latency along there? And also the customer journey as well. Uh, it's all well and good saying, hey, look, we've got this new uh, feature there but if the if the site's slowing down so it takes like 30 seconds to get to the next page you're going to lose people so we've got to take all these things into consideration 
and there's a big overhead in that mm. uh, if you want to go right we're fully tested and it's up to the team and the product managers and everyone else to sort of come to agreement on what their definition of done is in regard to testing and this might shift from task to task from story to story from initiative to initiative but it's all about mitigating them risks and what you're accepting those risks to be and once you as a team are comfortable with that and everyone and that's communicated throughout the team to every level every stakeholder then i would say yeah we've ticked off all the boxes here what i've always liked to see is um as we're going to talk about a lot, I'm guessing it's a shift left approach. So we get a test plan right at the beginning. And as a team, you present that test plan. Everyone agrees it. Yeah, we've gone through it. Tick, tick, tick. Green, green light, green light, green light. Yeah, we're good to go. Uh, and then obviously you as a, as a development team, as a team as well, you know your application. So just deploying it isn't the end of the testing. You've got to monitor your logs your metrics, make sure everything's as fine as it can be. So there's even tested in prop down the line there that you, you need to take into consideration. But it's sort of an open-ended sort of answer that, and I get that, but mm -hmm. each it has to be in an individual case and how the team uh, works and agrees on what that definition of done is. But basically it's just what everyone's, the risk everyone is willing to accept. Yeah, that's a... A very very good answer from uh, from Greg. I can feel that you <laughs> you like this Thank question you. very much. Now it's really good. It's very complete. Uh, I don't have that much to 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 add. Uh, otherwise, I would be paraphrasing. But uh, no, yeah. So one of the thing I could just bring is maybe towards smaller company, uh, mm -hmm. and by smaller I mean up to 100 people, huh? uh, because. To consider something fully tested, you first need to know your own strength. What is the strength of your team? Uh, how many seniors do you have? How many people can onboard younger and make sure that the process are flowing as you want it to be? Um, that, that's one thing because that will help you decide what gate you want to implement. Uh, you cannot do everything if you don't have a team that can implement everything and make sure that everything is flowing. Or if you are over flooding them with gates, you will have infinite process and features will never get released. Uh, so that's one thing. The other thing is that if we want something, so Greg, I completely agree with you, nothing can be fully tested. It's impossible. It's part of the journey. We will have tests always, uh, bugs, sorry, always. So we always come and we will always be surprised. But if we want something very robust where we can catch like 99% of the bugs, that's very expensive as well. It's not something mm -hmm. that all company can afford right away. So yeah, just to, to sum up what I'm saying, if you want to have something that gives you peace of mind before going to bed, it's just a matter of uh, setting up with your full team, with everyone, what quality great gates do we want? Knowing that everything that is unit test and integration testing, you will trust your engineers on this part, but on the part of the product QA, what do you set up? What kind of acceptance testing are you setting up? How will you manage regression? And once you have set up all of this, even if it scales, that's fine because at least you have a starting point mm -hmm. and then you mm -hmm. can iterate and improve on this point. So yeah, yeah, that's my take on it. Brilliant, R very detailed answer there, JC, thank you. And Greg, not just from GoDaddy, he's the daddy of testing by the sounds of it. <laughs> too right, too right. Um, so. <laughs> 
With you, Gabriel, back to your own question, really, what do you rely on when you consider your product as being fully tested? Yeah, actually, if I would have had an answer, probably <laughs> this wouldn't be my question, but just just my two cents on it. I think um, I think for sure that, that there should be some some measurements in place when it comes to, I don't know, software testing like code coverage. Uh, unit testing integration end to end, and also on the functional side, um, actually functional tests that that prove that the, the business didn't change due to the, some new implementations, or mm -hmm. we didn't redesign anything. We just improved our current solution. So there should be, uh, I think, it's 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 more of a mindset. It's not necessarily a, a benchmark. You should have your eyes open and all the time be aware that a small change here can have a huge impact oh, there yeah. and there. <laughs> We've all been caught with that before, haven't we? You break, <laughs> fix that and that breaks at the other end. You're like, well, what's going on? Yeah. And now all of a sudden, hundreds of memes came to my mind. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah, great answers there, everyone. And over to your question, Greg. Yeah, uh, thanks. So, working working for businesses, we're working in software, right? Uh, so, so there's always pressures of delivery, delivering new functionality. You know, the new stuff. Now, quality should be baked in right from the beginning of a product project initiative. However, you want to do it. What and how do you approach getting your quality gates in place and what, working to ensure? quality testability is baked in from the beginning um, of, a, of a project. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I will I will I will go first. Uh, although I'm I'm very careful with this one because I find it's so big. There are so many aspects to approach it. Um, that, that once again depends so much what the size of the company is size of your team, how many teams are participating in the project. Um, but I think here we are touching one of the fundamental of uh, of developing, uh, like professionally mm. developing. As you, as I think Gabriel said uh, uh, earlier, we start with the MVP and uh, from the MVP, we grow on if it's accepted yeah. by clients, funders, Etc. And on this, we try to iterate for survival as a startup until we can have a team big enough that can take care of the tech debt and mm -hmm. uh, adding tests, etc. Um, now, if I refocus myself a bit more on what you mentioned, Greg, in your question, which is starting a new project, it's to my mind very important right away to to establish testing frameworks, even before thinking about the code, the architecture, that. There, what, what type of testing framework do we have? What is our capability in terms of uh, unit testing integration? Are we slow there? Mm. Are engineers up to speed? What type of extra tool do we have? Our QA team um, already super busy with other projects. Knowing in advance what will be the struggling point, if that makes sense. And from mm. this, trying to find answers. And then you, you define what your quality gates are. I feel like I'm always repeating this one. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, you need to, to set up your threshold. And uh, what, what's the most important here is how will you orchestrate them. But if you have this flow, 
on, then developing is it's trivial. It's just back to just engineering. How will I yeah. put my task? How will I architect it? Because everything is set up. So you have done this little portion of the feature. Boom, your testing framework are already ready to, to test it or at least welcome it. And yeah, it flow gradually. But this, of course, is in, a, in an ideal world, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. In real world, it's a bit more different. And um, I, I think it's very important early on, like to reinit QA when you have QA testers, engineers in the same room and like, how will we approach it? We want to avoid as much friction as possible. Mm -hmm. QA team, what are your, your points? What do you want to make sure we achieve? Because I assume we already have some quality prepared by product team beforehand. This is what we want absolutely, this is optional, et cetera. And then developers, how will you approach it? How long does it think you will take with test added and trying to find a compromise between the two? Does that make sense? Great answer, Jesse. Yeah. Um, I would I would like to start answering this question by saying that right off the bat, I'm not a firm believer in specific metrics. I mean, there's no According to my knowledge, there's no silver bullet when it comes to quality gates. Otherwise, all companies would have already implemented that. I think um, there are, yeah, percent. We, we already talked about percentages when it comes to code coverages, and mm -hmm. benchmarks and stuff like that. But we have to be aware that metrics like this can be sometimes misleading and could give a false sense of, of security. So um, when it comes to quality, I would, I would like to think of, of a concept that's, that's widespread in, in several industries, I would say, and it's, it's the margin of safety. I think you guys are, are familiar with this. Each, each structure has, has its own, each type of structure basically has its own safety margins. Uh, let me give you some examples. For, for example, a car parts like a, uh, a tire, for example, um, probably has a safety margin of, of 25% because a flat tire is easy to replace. It, it's, its failure um, has a relatively small impact. But if, if we talk about airplanes, for example, probably they have a 50% safety margin because it's probably a different environment. The, the, the impact of failure is uh, much much higher and also if we talk about the spacecraft for example the international space station i suppose has probably a totally different safety margin because a, a small failure there can be catastrophic i would say yeah so different structures have different uh, safety margins depending on factors like how easy it is to troubleshoot uh, impact of failure and so on um there are two things that that I want I, I want to ask myself when 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 I when I think of quality. First, I'm asking myself what am I building in the end? Am I building I don't know a food delivery app or a rental car rental app or I don't know something common with a small impact in case of failure? Or am I implementing a, a software for a medical device mm. where Things are critical. That's that's one question that I would like to ask myself. Then, based on that, probably I would get a sense of what safety margin I have for my product. 
what quality means in my context. Then the second question would be to ask myself, in what build stage am I? So am I building an MVP to prove a concept to, to, to show the world or to show someone that this concept has value and we could, be, we could extend this, we could build it upon this? Or am I in a stage where performance and small details are, are really important? And also these, these kind of questions give you a sense, gives you a, a sense of, of, of what quality means in that context. So I don't know, if, Greg, if I answered your question, but these are the kinds, the, the things that I, I kind of like to think about when, when it comes to, to quality. But back to my initial, back to my initial statement. I think every company, every context should define its own quality gates based on the on, on various aspects. Like, as I said, what are you building? What stage are you in? What what does quality means to you right now? Mm. And again, there is no silver bullet. Yeah, completely agree. Thanks, thanks, Gabriel. And again, another detailed response. And sometimes I wish I was floating around on the space station with everything going on in the world at the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, going back to you, Greg, how do you approach getting quality gates in place and working to ensure quality and testability? Right. I, I think those are some really good points that you both made there, uh, JC and, and Gabriel. Uh, really like the point that you were saying about knowing what your margins are. I've worked in uh, medical software before and it's been very tight. You've got to know and that all comes into it. Uh, the way I sort of think of it, though, is um, as a team, a generic team, uh, how how do you set up getting quality into it um, as a sort of generic sort of space? And the one thing that always comes to mind is information. Everyone's got to have all the same information. Uh, I know, JC, you, you called out like, oh, when's the uh, quality team and everyone getting like that? For me, it's everyone's on the same team. Like, uh, as, as we've all touched on, quality is everyone's um, responsibility. So as soon as an initiative is, is raised, everyone should have the same information. And, the, and then the conversation start to start happening. When are we going to be able to get in unit testing? Do we need to do a proof of concept? How are we going to measure this success of the proof, proof of concept? Do we need uh, what percentage of unit testing? Because at the end of the day, unit testing is amazing, but you're mocking. You, you can, yeah, I, I won't go into the politics of unit <laughs> testing from the testers' point yeah. of view. But um, yeah, you know, as a team, you've got to decide this as well. But also, the quality is in how you deliver that data as well do you structure your logs so you can debug quicker as well so you can sit, find and uh, if the quality is not heading the right way set yourself back on the right path have you got the right monitoring in as well so you can see how your error rates are doing you know you can see the health there and the quality again this all falls back to the end user and if you have that goal in mind there you, say if you're getting a lot of server-side errors uh, you want to know about that as soon as possible. So again, you can go back on and having this sort of built in the foundation of your initiative task or whatever it is, you're setting yourself up for success and getting that quality in from the beginning. And as you iterate over developing on it, once those foundations are there and you can see in your logs very easily, oh, look, there's a spike in errors there when we put this amount of users in. Oh, there we go. There's an issue there. You can address these quality issues. It's the same with, oh, look, 
at these certain times when um, we're doing this many calls to this API, it times out causing 5xx errors um, to the customer, whether that customer of that API is a front end or to another service, you can easily identify, break down these into small manageable chunks and, and deal with them quality issues step by step uh, throughout. And everyone's got to have that same information. As a quality engineer myself, uh, who's worked in many teams, one of the most frustrating things is, is uh, coming to a, a job uh, a task late and having to chase the information. If it's just for example, if there's a Jira ticket with not brilliant ACs on it, and they go, "Oh, can you test this, please?" Yes, I can, but I don't know what it is. I don't know the details. <laughs> so yeah, I can click on a button. Yeah, that works. But do I, what am I expecting in the response? Uh, should it be able to handle different head um, different requests? If I'm asking for HTML instead of JSON, does it throw an error? What should that error be? So I'd spend a lot of time in, in my day chasing down this information. Whilst if we collectively have this information at the beginning, quality is a lot easier for everyone as a team to manage. Perfect. Thank, thanks, Greg. And last, not but last but not least, your question, JC. All right. Um, I will on purpose make it a slightly longer than what it was advertised to give everyone as enough context as possible. So we know the fine balance between agility and uh, over-engineered testing or reproducibility of pipelines. Knowing that the complex dependen dependencies that current infrastructure give, uh, especially with cloud services nowadays, what step do we put in place to give enough freedom and testing capacities to a developer while guaranteeing a smooth integration? And by developer, we can as well instant to testing team who, as you mentioned, Greg, can be frustrated by many things over time. Yeah, I, I'd start by saying that the, this question gave me a hard time. <laughs> JC, I, I'm not I'm not uh, trying to, to, to flatter you, but <laughs> it's it's a hard question. Um, yeah, for yeah. sure. The, the development context is in a con constant change and the technologies evolve. Um, we as engineers like that and evolve as well, but but that means as well that the, the challenges evolve together with us. And I would say that um, one of the things that uh, I try to I try to think about when it comes to to complex infrastructures or dependencies between systems is try to isolate from the beginning from the first stage of development try to isolate and sep separate concerns as much as possible if if i think that if um, a module or uh, a project is is can be break down in, into modular pieces you should definitely do that the more the more you separate concerns the, the the easier it gets to test then the easier it gets to i don't know even to to swap um, technologies for specific services um so at first i would say modularization is a key aspect in development and in testing as well after that, yeah, there are specific uh, specifics of, of each infrastructure. You mentioned the cloud infrastructure. 
Uh, there are a lot of specifics there, and I, I wouldn't like to, to go into deeper details necessarily right now, but I think I'll, I'll, just, I'll just say that trying to, to think modular from the first stage of development will for sure help uh, in, in the testing uh, in the end. Yeah, uh, I echo uh, a lot of Gabriel said there, because we've all been there, haven't we, where things get more and more complex and you sat there with your head in your hands going, oh, what, what's going on here? You know, uh, with more complexities, there's more points of failure, let's be honest. Um, so the more complex means more testing. You know, we want that we want that confidence to to be able to do it. But of course, there's more overhead to it. Now, the people best placed in this and JC, this is a brilliant question because really had me thinking as well. Like Gabriel said, when he said that, you know, this is a good question to get your head around really is. Um, I was thinking, well, the who will know the complexity the most? It's the team, right? So the team should know their application. So the team should be able to call this out at planning, at grooming, um, you know, and be able to say, hey, look, we, this is a, a big piece of work. And this feeds on to what Gabrielle said. Then we, we look at it and we break it down, we break it down to more manageable pieces, more manageable testing actions, more manageable development, iterate over that and get to the larger piece. But it's, I think it, we should empower the teams to call out these complexities and, and how how much problems they foresee in doing it. If if it goes well, brilliant. Hey, look, we've we've learned some time back, and aren't we brilliant? But what I'd, what uh, is a big trap is underestimating things. That's when you get your stakeholders going. Hey, why haven't you done this? And you're like, oh God, I'm to my neck in um, complexity here. This app's gone down. How do I trace the route? this all the way back, which sort of takes me back to the last question as well about the team knowing their application, being able to follow the user journey through that all these different dependencies and follow it all the way through to see where that comes from. And again, that comes from knowledge and good development on some of the things that aren't as desirable as deliverables. This is where the quality comes in and your logs, your metric, and be able to see that user journey all the way through. But to go back to the main point of the question, I would definitely rely on the team and really empower them to say, look, this is too big. Let's break this down. Let's go back and have a look. Uh, if the dependencies are growing, let's look at making things a lot more simplistic. Growing complexity is a massive problem. And when you're in an incident, you're called out at two o'clock in the morning, your customers aren't happy. If you've got to work through which dependency's gone down in your in your chain, this is just you get yourself into a hell of a lot of trouble and uh, the more simplistic you can keep things the the better but yeah that's not the world we live in so yeah where we can break it down uh, and take it in small chunks that's where i'd say but most of all empower the developers thanks guys and back to you jc how do you give engineers enough freedom and testing capacities yeah <laughs> i don't think that is um uh, a, a real answer at this point, like something that has been solved there, because what works, for example, for Google might not work for us at all. Mm. What works at GoDaddy doesn't necessarily work for us at all. But it's very interesting always to see how people do it, how different organizations mm -hmm. do it, because there is a bit of nitpicking to do everywhere and then adapt it to your situation. And I really, really like so what, what you guys explain. I think, yes, that's something that is often easy to forget, especially when we are really head on 
developing something is to cut into smaller pieces and try to really separate concerns. Uh, in the meantime, you have to be careful about that as well because it can quickly become a loophole and you lose a bit track of what is breaking because of what here and there. So it's always a fine grain balance between narrow vision and the big picture, uh, which is why I think engineering manager uh, are here to, to try to you know refocus the engineers. Uh, on my side, um, the only thing I'm very careful about, especially with our size of company, is to review the process every three months. Mm-hmm. because we are growing very fast. We are adding technologies all the time. And I know that there are sometimes some quick fix to have uh, the test working faster or a quick tool, but uh, it's not always being consideration of what will be the impact of this in three months later or six months later. So that's why that's one of the things I, I, it's very important for me to have in place is review this process often, 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 and then reevaluate. Do we have the right tools? Do we have the right capacity? Are we going through the right path? This is very important for me. I don't really know how it works for for team size of uh, of good idea on this process. How many times, if you review it at all? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a really good point. Uh, reviewing processes is always it, it's very easy um, in big companies, uh, medium companies, and everything. Just to go, hey, that's working for us. And you don't remember to go back and to check, and that's where things get stale and mistakes start to happen. So that's a brilliant call out, JC second that and something we do try to do um in the in the companies i've worked with in the large companies um but of course change takes a lot more time so we're not as reactive as the smaller companies but we do try to stay on top of these things as as best we can yeah fantastic um ju- just one thing uh, on uh, on my side uh maybe i'm uh, i'm too uh, small team oriented but one of the thing i i but so much pressure to have with my with my team is acceptance tests you you receive a new task you have a product requirement uh we have a framework where you know we just make a call it's it's very similar to the end-to-end test but mm-hmm. we just want to make sure that what we request is sent back mm-hmm. and in the end you have a very big book of acceptance tests but uh, in a in a small company, this is such a life saver. It's even to me more important than unit tests or integration testing. Yeah, but that's just, another subject that go. Yeah, just, yeah. Just a just a short follow up question, JC. Who who specifically does that, or every one of you is involved in that? Everyone or? is involved. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's a awesome. team effort. Sounds great. Awesome. But did, did, didn't you encounter pushbacks? When, when no, no, no not at the moment. Uh, Especially because if you if you empower your engineers to understand that a finished task is a task that is tested and you're confident it will not break, mm. until they are, I mean, if they are already in this mindset, they will not cause any difficulty there because it's, it's your pride as well, right, to develop and have something that is robust. Yeah, sounds great. Great stuff, guys. Does anyone have any final points they'd wish to add on any of the topics we've discussed so far? Yeah, all right. Well, hope everyone enjoyed the conversation there. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Obviously, even even though we was, we was a man down, there's, there's a lot of content in there with, with even just, just the three, what, the four of us. Um, so obviously what we what I took from the conversation today, what, what you rely what you guys rely on. 
um, when you consider a product is fully tested, what each of your respective CEOs think of your testing strategy. Um, how do you approach quality gates in place and working to ensure quality and testability? And finally, you know, giving the, the engineers freedom for capacity and testing. So this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I'd like this opportunity to take to thank Gabriel, Greg and JC for providing their insights into the topic. And thanks for everyone listening um, at home. If you'd like to get involved in one of our up and coming podcasts, reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email at michael.sullivan at evolution-contract.co.uk.